Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. So a couple years ago, I was asked to speak to a group of high school students on the subject of betrayal. And those of you well acquainted with the frightening social jungle we call high school would know why this was a relevant topic. And so I began by asking them to list as many famous betrayals as they could think of, and they came up with a great list. Brutus's betrayal of Julius Caesar was one of them. The way that Regina George betrayed Caddy Heron in the classic Mean Girls. Lots of passion around that one. And then I pushed them a little bit for uh, biblical examples, assuming that everyone would go straight to Judas Iscariot, But to my surprise, the person they wanted to talk about was Peter. For some reason, it was Peter with whom they connected the most. Now, just to rehash that story a little bit, Jesus predicted that all of his disciples would betray him, but it was Peter who swore with all the passion he could muster, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. But hours later, the cock crowed for the third time, and Peter hid while Jesus was being crucified. And so I want you just to think for a moment about this betrayal. Tragic enough that Peter lost his Lord and his friend on that Friday we call good, but in a sense, Peter lost so much more than that. He lost his integrity his credentials as a leader, and maybe even his sense of worth as a human being. Right on that dreadful night, Peter did not just lose his Lord, but also the illusion that he was indeed a rock, that he was any better or holier or more faithful to Jesus than the very men who drove the nails through his wrists. And so looming in the backdrop of today's gospel is this very serious betrayal. Now, in terms of the setting, it's been at least a week since Jesus' resurrection from the dead, probably about two or three weeks, and the disciples are fishing. And just after daybreak, as the night is coming to an end and the light of day dispels the darkness... Just ponder that symbolically and theologically. It is at daybreak when they see the risen Lord standing on the beach. Peter then puts on clothes and jumps into the water. Why? Because apparently Peter likes to fish naked. (laughs) I just wish we had more time to talk about how weird that is. (laughs) But alas, we don't. Now, on the surface, it is kind of a funny scene, and I think it's meant to be. But theologically, what I hear John saying is that Peter is ashamed. You may recall the story of Adam and Eve. They disobey the Lord's command. They betray God's trust. But what happens next? 
they realize they're naked and they cover themselves and they hide from the Lord because they are scared and they are ashamed. And in today's gospel, Peter does the exact same thing, knowing himself to be in the Lord's presence. And feeling the shame of his betrayal, Peter covers his nakedness because he too is scared and he is ashamed. And so if you were Peter and the time had come to talk to the resurrected Christ for the very first time one-on-one after betraying him, what would you say? Would you rehearse a speech? Like the son in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke's gospel, would you just pretend it didn't happen and hope Jesus didn't bring the whole thing up? But if you abandoned Jesus the way that Peter did and you had to face Jesus in all your shame, what would you say? And what would you want Jesus to say to you? Now, before we get to their actual encounter, I want to pause. Because if you're anything like me, you can connect with Peter's story, right? The reason we are all here this morning is because there is a part of us that so desperately wants to meet Jesus on that beach, a zealous part that under certain conditions will boldly declare, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you and that will actually mean it. But then, we all have this other part, that when push comes to shove, we'll run away and save our own necks the moment things get too hard, and I think we have some shame around that because deep down we know it's true. Are we faithful? Yes. Do we love Jesus and want to be faithful? Yes. But at the same time, we're only willing to follow Jesus so far and suffer so much before we get frightened and we run away. And what I observe in so many, and the temptation I sometimes feel in my own heart is to manage that gap between the Christian I am and the Christian I want to be, the way that we often manage that gap is by keeping our distance. Metaphorically speaking, we just stay in the boat. We play it safe, we come to church, we give some money, we take Eucharist, we maintain a semblance of religiosity, but we never take the risk that Peter did and dive into the water. In other words, just to be a little blunt, I think it's very easy to settle for church and to never get to know the Lord intimately simply because we feel unworthy, unworthy for the many ways that we betray Jesus by how we live our life. And so where are you in that story? Because what I love about Peter, and the reason I think he was a leader, is that Peter does not let his sin and his shame stop him from jumping out of the boat and going to meet his Lord on that beach. Because at the end of the day, Peter knows what I think 
is the foundational truth about Christianity, which is that grace and mercy and forgiveness always flow from Jesus' presence. That is what gives Peter confidence to go and meet his Lord. And when he does, two things happen to Peter that I think are worth noting. First, Jesus calls Peter by name. The point being made, of course, is that the Lord knows each one of us by name, right? All the metaphorical ways we clothe ourselves and try to cover our shame, the games we play, the secrets we keep, the hidden hopes and fears and longings, the things that no one else sees. Jesus does see. He looks at each one of us and all of our uniqueness, the good, the bad, the ugly, and Jesus calls us by name. He knows us. He sees us. And believe it or not, Jesus loves what he sees as he looks at human beings made in his Father's image. He's not disgusted by what he sees. He's not disappointed by what he sees. He's not angered by what he sees. No, Jesus calls each one of us by name. He sees us in all of our uniqueness, and Jesus loves what he sees. But second, looking at us, Jesus then asks us a question. And the deeper I go into my own prayer life, the more convinced I become that this is the most important question that Jesus ever asks his disciples. And that question is not, are you sorry? It's not, have you learned from your mistake? It's not, what are you doing for my kingdom? It's not, how many people have you converted or how many people have you served this week? No, the only question that Jesus has any interest in asking his disciples is this. Do you love me? It's a very vulnerable question. Do we love Jesus? Which is another way of asking the question, do we know how deeply that Jesus loves us? Because I don't know about you, but what fuels my love for Jesus is the depth of the love that Jesus has for me. And so Easter is not a time to pretend that we're perfect and that we don't betray Jesus from time to time, nor is it a time to pretend that we don't deeply wound one another. No, Easter is a time to jump out of the boat and to meet the risen Lord on the beach at that banquet where he is the host. It is a time for the night of shame to come to an end and above all, a time to remember that far more significant than Peter's unfaithfulness and far more significant than our unfaithfulness is the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Because when we get that, when we know that truth, then and only then can we actually start to talk about mission, about feeding Jesus' sheep, because whatever mission is, uh, it's not a group of superhumans going out into the world with their own skills, their own ideas, their own energy, their own willpower. No, authentic mission is what happens when a group of people who know full well that they sometimes betray Jesus still have the courage to approach him naked 
and to be judged by that most piercing of all questions. Do you love me? Because when we hear Jesus ask us that question, do you love me? That is the moment that we know how deeply Jesus loves us. And being fed by that food, the love of Jesus Christ, we're then empowered to share that food, that love, with the whole world. Amen.